This is Sean Barry with another episode of First Nature on the Rising Man Podcast. Good day to you, Rising Man family. This is Sean Barry bringing to you another episode of First Nature. Thanks for tuning in to listen, and I'm super thrilled to bring to you today uh, the first episode ever of an interview on First Nature. And uh, the special guest is my good friend, Angela Vincent. Angela and I, uh, we met about 10 years ago while in a program together, a two-year program that uh, was based in Nature Connection, uh, permaculture, back to the land skills, and uh, community rebuilding. And uh, a lot of us from that program, there's about 35 of us that came through it together. It's a two-year program. Uh, have stayed in touch over the years. And uh, I was super excited to find out about a year and a half ago when I moved here to Santa Cruz, California, that Angela also had just uh, relocated here not too long before that. And um, so we get to hang out regularly. And it's been really great to reconnect and share our love of nature together. And it was an easy call to uh, ask her to be my first guest ever as an interview. And I know it's typical for an interviewer to give a glowing introduction to the interviewee, but I I've been thinking about that, and I you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna speak about Angela from how I know her, and she talks about what she's up to in her life. So I'll let her cover that. What I can tell you about Angela is that she is a stand-up. Uh, go get them, take them down kind of woman. Um, A musician, plays the guitar and banjo, a beautiful singer. She is also very passionate about nature, very passionate about people's internal healing, and is doing a lot of different things to uh, bring that to the world, including uh, pursuing her master's degree in therapy and working in hospice and working with children, which is what I do with her now. Uh, Once a week, we actually... uh, co-guide some little ones out on the land and it's just beautiful and I really enjoy that time with her so that's Angela from my personal experience I love her she's a great friend and uh, I'm thrilled that she uh, that we are so close together that we can actually we did this podcast in person out on the land we got rambling it's a long interview it's about an hour so I'm not going to take up too much more time here but before we drop into it I do as I always love to do uh, we'll plug the risingman.org website because if you're a man out there you know i get it man it's 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 difficult times i mean the world really feels like it's falling apart the seams in a lot of ways and more than ever it's uh important and valuable for us as men to find our center to find our gift to find out what we have to offer to the world and be part of the healing be part of the turning this uh ship around and bring it to a better place not just for us and the people we love but for everyone you know, traditionally, it's been the male-bodied people who have done the heavy lifting in the world, and um, this time's no different. It's just that the heavy lifting looks a little different. We're heavy lifting from our hearts, from our souls, and from our minds, and at times from our bodies too. So, Rising Man has uh, just some really great programs to uh, get you in that workouts, the heavy lifting workouts. So um, jump in. There's uh, some wonderful men in there who are waiting to connect with you and go through these programs and learn and grow together and connect as men. And um, what else can I say? It's, it's, uh, it's why I'm here. It's why I'm doing this podcast and why I facilitate those programs and, and join in too. So check it out, risingman.org. And without any further ado, let's check in with Angela Vincent. Hey everyone, this is the First Nature podcast on the Rising Man podcast channel. Um, I'm Sean Barry. I'm here with my friend Angela Vincent, and we're out here in the beautiful Santa Cruz forest mm. around some redwoods. It's a beautiful day. We came in here because it was a little windy out in the meadow, and I don't have a super high tech audio setup here, so hopefully this will do. And um, I'm kind of excited because this is the first interview. You're my, you're my first interview. Hi, I've never interviewed someone for the podcast, let alone 
anybody for anything. I'm honored. This so, is cool. Yeah, this is cool. So thanks yeah. for coming out. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. I'm excited. And uh, right now, <clears throat> just to kind of kick things off, I was unfolding this blanket um, that I brought with me for a little set dressing and this package of cards fell out, which I had forgotten was rolled <laughs> up in there. So we're like, ooh, wouldn't it be cool if we started with a, a card pulling? Yeah. Um, and it's from, funny because I've been wanting to pull a card. I have lots of these at my house and I haven't done it. And I'm like, I want to pull a card. And then... Awesome. Here it is. So. Well, let's start with that, and then okay. we'll, we'll get into it. So, thanks for tuning in. Okay. Well, I just pulled the cheetah. Cheetah. I'm going to read it. Get clear on your intention, stay focused, and move quickly to achieve your goal, which is interesting. Stop deluding yourself by thinking that there isn't enough time. There are too many other things to do. You're not up to the mission that's calling you to action. These and many other beliefs are delay tactics that keep you from accomplishing what you're here to do. It's much easy, it's much too easy to play it safe by staying caught up in the mundane dramas of life rather than honoring spirit's purpose for you by making a run for it. The first step is to write out your intentions as clearly as possible. Keep it nearby and create an appropriate affirmation that you can repeat several times a day. One that states your intention as if it has already occurred. Then write out a sequence of action steps that will help you move toward your ultimate goal. Don't be shy or hesitant to think big, bigger than you've previously allowed yourself. Once you've set up the wheels in motion by doing these steps, it's time to move. Not in some frenetic, hurried way, but steady and purposeful, designing much of your activity to support what you need to do. That really aligns with a lot of things I've been thinking about. Great. In my life. Well, let's start there. Let's, um, we'll get into who you are and okay. why you're here, but... Um, how does that speak to you right now? Oh, well, I've I've been feeling really inspired lately, but also over kind of a little overwhelmed with all the things that I'm doing and want to do and how I want to sort of align who I am with what I'm doing and what I want to give to the world. And that's kind of been changing. You know, I was a teacher for 10 years and now I'm in grad school to be a therapist. But I also have this huge part of me maybe the majority of me that is wants to be in nature and wants to connect like that for me feels like the solution to so much mental health that I see now and so I'm like how do I like this card was saying like create an intention and not get caught up in all the different dramas and I, I can feel my energy sometimes being pulled in all these different ways of like almost distractions of where I could focus instead of really being like what is it that I you only have one short life, really. And what is it that I want to do? So I'm working yeah, on it. Yeah. It's more, I'm working on it. But yeah. It's unclear kind of right now, actually. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's so much of life, right? Just it's clear that it's not clear. Mm -hmm. It's clear that it's not clear. I think Alan Watts in one of his talks said that, um, you know, what's the first game you play with a baby? Hide and seek. Yeah, or peekaboo, right? Or peekaboo, yeah. right? Peekaboo. I just listened to that talk. Yeah, yeah, and, I mean, they, and they're so enthralled. Much of him. Yeah, it's yeah. great, and they're enthralled. And he says basically that's that's the 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 eternal game is we're all, you know we're just playing hide and seek our entire lives with yeah. things being revealed and then being hidden. So um, yeah, there's uh I guess there's lessons for us all right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny. I've been listening to so much of that one lots <clears throat> mm -hmm. lately, but trying to get inspired with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. great. Yeah. All right, well, let's just. Talk a little bit about who you are, why you're here. And um, I was sharing full transparency, nothing to hide here on this podcast. I was just <laughs> sharing with Angel before we started about how, I mean, it's great to get to know what people have done in the world and their accomplishments when you're introducing guests and stuff. Um, I mean, I appreciate that. But also to me, there's sort of a sense of like, I don't really need to know all that just to hear what someone so here's some experience and hear the 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 authenticity of who they are just come through. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really concerned about like what you've done or haven't done or what you're up to or not. I'm just curious more about how would you describe yourself, you know, um, to if, if, you know, friends, if friends of yours were going to describe who you were to a potential, I don't know, you don't have a partner, but... Let's pretend. Let's have... pretend you haven't met Tad yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and how would oh. they describe you to Tad? So funny if you depends on what group of friends you ask. Okay. But no, I you know how we're a little different with every group. But I think they'd probably describe me as sort of a um, wild, emotional, smart, 
and passionate person and probably a little difficult, <laughs> um, but also like really loyal and loving and special. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would add in there just my personal experience of you. Um, very uh, deep thinker, but not like an intellectual way. A deep your presence, maybe, is a good way to say it. I just experience you as being very present, very aware, and in process. Like, you know, just doesn't seem like much is lost on you, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, also, yeah, just having been around you with kids and we, had, we did a program together many years ago mm -hmm. and just seeing your enthusiasm and passion for um, people in general and kids mm -hmm. and for the outdoors, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would put that in there. Yeah. And, yeah, and then we can just also, yeah, if you want to share just a little bit about, you know, what are you doing? What, are you, what, what fills your days right now? Um, just to people have a little baseline. Yeah. A lot of things fill my days. Um, with you, I'm doing a kids program. Um, I do that two days a week in nature, which is the most best thing right now. Um, I'm in grad school, so I have homework. And I have two internships working for hospice. I'm doing grief counseling with the kids age 7 to 17. And I'm also working at a substance use disorder clinic. So I'm working with adults with all sorts of different presentations. Um, so I'm like intern, therapist, nature mentor, dog mom, partner, oh, yeah. I have friends. I have my own need to be alone in nature like pretty often to feel sane. So that's pretty much what fills up my time is, is all of that. And, and uh, trying to find moments where I don't have something I am doing that I can just kind of be as well. Yeah, that's a full schedule. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's it's the busiest I've ever been, and I don't recommend it. I don't particularly like it, but it is like this kind of means to an end, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to come to that question a little later. Where okay. is this all going? But for yeah, now, going? Yeah. yeah. Let's just start with... Um, so nature connection is kind of a buzzword out there in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, when people talk about like being out in nature, there's kind of a couple ways to be out in nature. A lot of people out there just as outdoor enthusiasts, you know, mm -hmm. with some kind of sporting thing, they're biking or, you know, climbing or mm -hmm. kayaking, adventuring. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's this, you know, premise of nature connection. Are you, you know, and asking the question, like, are you nature connected? So when you hear that word, when you hear like, are you nature connected or hear the word nature connection, the phrase, like, what does that mean to you? My mind kind of explodes when I hear that because I don't, it feels almost like doesn't make sense to me because um, I'm, I've been trying to figure out, once you asked me that before a couple days ago and just now I was like, what is nature connection? Because the, the phrase all, like automatically implies that we're disconnected and we have to reconnect. So just that, it's almost like a neurosis that I feel like there's a, there's like a, a pro, like a mental issue that we have as a society. We probably had it for a really long time that we're separate. So we must become nature connected. We're like undoing that and to mean like we already are nature. There is no separation. And to maybe it's for me, nature connection really just means remembering what we already are, remembering who we already are, remembering ourselves in the world and that every iteration, every manifestation of whatever you call this, the universe, God, the divine, great spirit, like all of it is just, we're just a different human beings are another manifestation of that same energy. So we're not separate at all. So, and that is one of the most, for me, has felt like one of the most um, important and poignant truths to find in my life and also very it makes me feel very at peace with with life just to know that it's already there it's already all done and I'm connected and there's no way to disconnect truly even though in our minds we might create that illusion yeah yeah so it's just remembering I think nature connection is remembering mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah okay and what would you say is like some of the ways that are the quickest rememberings for you 
like what kind of puts you back into that state of like, ah, oh, I am, I am connected. I think awe and reverence. I think when we, it, it never fails like taking kids out or teenagers or adults or my parents or people that live in the city when you get them out on even a simple walk and there's something beautiful like a tr the trees or a sunset or like they're just there's this awe of like the complexity and the beauty and the uniqueness of of nature the ex external world and then you're filled with this sense of like something that you maybe you can't even name i feel like that's the quickest way to just keep finding a way to feel that feeling it could be through music it could be through other ways too but it's all for me it's all connected to being natural is to be filled with a sense of awe, of, of wonder, of curiosity and creativity, and to be searching for that feeling because I think naturally we want to feel that as human beings. And when you're filled with a sense of awe and reverence and like, yeah, awed at the, at what this is, this world, I think it's hard to want to hate it or want to destroy it or want to get involved with something that isn't supportive of life in that way. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, like, so awe, right? How would you describe your experience of awe? Like, what's going on? Just How do you know awe. when you're in awe? You just, like, <laughs> I, for me, just hits me in this, like, I want to cry, or it just hits you with this, like, poignancy of, like, you, I think Michael Pollan in one of, in How to Change Your Mind, in his book, he called it noetic. There's mm. a noetic sense. It's like, it's, you know it's true, but you can't really put words to it. You can't prove it. You just know something's true. It's like that feeling for me of, I just know this is beautiful. I just know this means something. I just know I love this and I'm, I belong here, but I can't tell you why, or I can't explain it. It's like, when you feel it, you, you know. And, um, yeah, I think that's what it is for me. Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue to the next question. So going back in time to when you were a little girl Yeah. and thinking about when, you know, I don't, I know you grew up in Michigan. We grew up, we both grew up in Michigan. I'm not sure where you were, what mm -hmm. your context was, but mm -hmm. were you, did you find yourself outdoors a lot? Were you an outdoors kid? Um, when you were, when you were outdoors, did you feel like you encountered that state of awe and mm -hmm. didn't really know what it was, but just found this desire to be outside or was it not so much that, or just how was that when you were little? Yeah, I grew up in the suburbs, um, north of Detroit. And yeah, we had a lake nearby our house. It was definitely suburban, but there was a lake and we had a, big backyard and lots of trees. And as a kid, I go home now and I'm like, I feel so big in this yard. I feel so big in this house and this lake so, looks so small. But at the time it was all so big. And I remember just walking from my house down to the lake, which is not that far. But as a kid, I remember just seeing all the different bushes and plants and trees and thinking it was like the biggest universe and so mysterious. And I was always drawn to that. And I loved, I remember this tiny, I thought it was a huge creek at the time. Now that I go home, I see it's like literally a trickle on the side <laughs> of the road. I would find frogs. I'd play in there and think it was, I just loved it. And um, I remember a lot of the kids feeling that way. We always wanted to be outside. We were allowed to be, we were supported. We were encouraged to be outside until it was dark. Back then, you could still do that right, in the right. 80s and 90s, I guess. Um, but yeah, we played outside a lot. I remember falling in love with a particular bush of some kind in my yard and when my parents took it out to put landscaping and I remember crying like mm -hmm. feeling very upset because that was like my special place um and so that was inherent for in me for sure yeah 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 and what about your you had a couple you have two sisters is mm -hmm. that right what yeah. was that like for them did they follow suit or not so much I think they liked to play outside they got more into sports too than I did I was sort of the the middle child that was a little bit of a loner. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't mind playing outside by myself. And we might have all been playing outside, but I remember kind of feeling like not as attached to the game or the thing we were doing, but more just liking being outside. And I had an aunt that was very nature connected, as we say, and um, would tell us about fairies and we would go and do these walks and it was all very magical. And I think she instilled in me a sense of awe where I'm like, every time I see moss, or like certain things in certain kinds of forests, I have that feeling of, when I was a kid, of just like, oh, this is a special place, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So would you say she was maybe like your first sort of, like unofficial nature connection mentor? Yeah, yeah. she yeah. was. My Aunt Mimi. Yep. She's still around? She's still around, she's yeah. an artist. Oh. Yeah, she's an eccentric lady and she made it everything very magical. 
And it's funny because that can seem a little bit like infantilizing or whatever, patronizing to be like, oh, it's magical. Everyone throws that word around with kids. But really it is if you think about like what's happening on the earth and the, in nature, it is kind of unbelievably magical. It I is. Think. It it's, is. So... I sometimes just look at trees, right? I'm trying to think like if if, uh, if another intelligence came from a different planet that didn't have trees, mm-hmm. and they'd find this planet literally covered with trees, these things that just shoot out of the ground and like for sometimes hundreds of feet up. Yeah, it's like wow, that's like amazing. Like, what yeah. is that? Yeah, what is that? And like, yeah. if you look at a seed, like you look at a redwood seed, right? And cone, it's like so tiny and it creates these, it's just, yeah, that is magic. What yeah. else is magic? Yeah, to think all that information's in this little teeny thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, okay, that was great as a kid. And then, you know, getting into junior high, into high school, mm-hmm. what happens with your walk with nature at that point? Did it kind of fall away? That kind of typically happens, you know, when we get into our social yeah. area of growing up a little bit. What was that like? That's a good question. What happened? In, I, yeah, definitely was more into friends and trying to be cool and didn't have men, like nature connection mentors, so to speak, at that time as much. Um, and I probably, I mean, I still went swimming. We still like played outside and did things outside, but it, it was definitely more around being social and human centric for sure. Um, but I think at that time I was like, I want to be a vet. I think I was like into animals at t- There was always some thread, but, um, definitely changed and but still as a kid I remember being the one like wanting to jump in the lake first if it was cold or didn't mind getting totally covered in sand or like there's something like very visceral and sensual about the earth Mm. that I've always liked Mm. and like into and I think that was always there yeah um, even through those years yeah yeah great and then into college you stayed around Michigan for college yeah I went to central Michigan okay I feel like in college it was just like so gone like I don't I wish I would have known then what I know now because I also went to broad I studied abroad in Chile and like I mean I was in the Patagonia and I like did a little hike but I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't have the skills to really connect and be in nature in the way that I do now which is I look back on some of the places I was and thinking oh my gosh I could have really but I was still filled with that sense of awe and like I you know in different places in the world and where I was but college was definitely not very uh, nature-connected for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and I was I've, in central Michigan. It was just very flat. Mm. Not much there. And I was so focused on, you know, being a college student that I didn't even think about nature, I don't think, very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sorry, I'm nature, I forgot about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'd say that's relatively common. I mean, yeah. I had a similar experience. Um I didn't finish college, but the two years I did go to college, I went to Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. two schools in Grand Rapids. And I remember the first school I went to, right across the Beltway, there was just like open space. And so every now and then I would just go there and just wander through mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get that sense of awe of just like, no one knows about this spot. It's just yeah. like, it's a spot that I know about. And there was something really special about that. But yeah, I, w- I didn't really think about like, oh, I need to like keep my nature connection. Like it was just yeah. something I would do, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. some personal soothing or just personal space i think about the people going to ucsc here and i'm like Mm. wow the campus is just like such a beautiful so much nature on the campus but i almost wondered do people just walk not even notice it's hard you know because your your mind's in a different place yeah yeah so yeah 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 that's that's interesting the psychology of like why are we out in nature you know i Mm -hmm. think it's definitely fascinating to think about I mean, I feel like, it's, yeah, here's amazing because you go, to the, I mean, the beaches are great. You know, you can be at the beach and in like 20 minutes you can be in the redwoods. It's mm-hmm. pretty ideal for that. Mm-hmm. And I find that a lot of people are doing some kind of activity. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I rarely come across someone who's just like sitting by themselves contemplatively, you know, maybe at the beach on occasion, yeah. you know, but in general yeah. there's just a lot of activity, but it's in nature. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I... I, I am the opposite. I'm usually the one, I'm so often, like nine, I think always probably, just walking aimlessly and sitting around in yeah. nature and connecting. But yeah, I notice like the bikers just go by and they're fast and they're talking and this. And it's great that people are getting out. I, I mean, I'd rather have people riding bikes, I guess, than 
some other things they could be doing. But th that idea of like, it is pretty rare to see someone just being mm -hmm. in nature, not using it as a backdrop for their activity. Mm. You know, um, I think there is something that people miss out on. If, if That's great if they do that, but also to connect in a deeper way, I think is something really beautiful that a lot of people don't have and don't experience very often. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's continue. So come out of college, getting out into the world, mm -hmm. you know, you're in your early 20s, mid 20s. Mm -hmm. And where would you say it was when you had an awareness that nature was something you wanted to get back to and incorporate more into your life? Mm -hmm. how, how did that kind of awareness come up? That was, I think, mainly, I mean, I was teaching in the inner city in Milwaukee and I was also learning about more like social justice stuff at that time. And I was learning about so many things that I think I, f I found permaculture mm -hmm. at that time. And then I was dating someone who you know, and we he was into the same permaculture idea. And we were both sort of like kind of two oddballs in the city, I think, looking for something else, like wanting to work with youth or wanting to make an impact. And we were kind of finding ourselves in the system teaching, but then there was something more. And so permaculture and coming out to California to do that program was really what brought me into that, which then brought me back into like nature connection. And that from there, it's just been a whole nother journey um, back to it. Yeah. In a really big way. Yeah. So what would you say? So that program, well, it's, it's fine to call it out. <laughs> it's called Weaving Earth now. It used to be yeah. called RDNA when we did it. Yeah. Um, what would you say were the main, uh, you know, like moments or days or certain things you just remember, like a light turned back on or just something got reactivated, you know, just mm. looking back and thinking about like, had you not done that, mm. um, you know, the different trajectory you might be on with, you know, nature. But since you did do that, then trying to identify like just a few of the moments where it's like, oh, that was really a seminal like piece of Something yeah. got reopened, you know? Hmm. Wow. We did so much in that program. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing was out. Uh, I think some of the games, like adults all getting together to play games, like big games where we're, we're doing stalking and hiding. And, you know, you might be hiding in a spot, getting covered in bugs and ants and, by you know, whatever, for half an hour. And you just don't care because you're just like, your adrenaline's up. You're playing this game. And it, I think getting to feel that, I don't know what to call it, that feeling of being, I don't want to say it's primal or wild or something because it doesn't, or feral, it doesn't really quite fit, but it's just something about that. I tapped into something where I'm like, oh, I like this feeling. I like to feel this way in my body as a human. This mm. feels good. I feel revitalized. alive. I feel revitalized. And... It was a lot through the games and through just being on the land, tracking mm -hmm. bird language, um, using more of the senses, like you just even using peripheral vision, using different things where you're in the modern world, you're just so linear, so straight. You're looking forward, you're doing your thing. You're really narrow vision. So I think that was really powerful for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was similar for me too. I mean, those are all really powerful things. Um, I feel like one thing that, kind of concretized it for me was just discovering that there was a language around, mm. like just the fact there was something called nature connection. Mm -hmm. Like I, I never heard that word until I got there really, True, you know, and yeah. basically there just that someone had taken all the things that I did as a kid naturally that we did as kids naturally and kind of broke it down into categories, mm. you mm -hmm. know, that was sort of like, I mean, the intellectual aspect that came in, I appreciate that someone had, you know, figured out like, this is what this is and we can yeah. talk about it now that we've put a language to it and then opened up a whole new way to have, you know, connection and relationships with people because mm -hmm. there's a common language. Yeah. You know, I was really powerful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also remember um, there were several teachers that came from different cultures mm -hmm. that talked about their old ways and how important those ways were still and that yeah. definitely touched something for me around just feeling like I don't, yeah, I just come from, you know, no tradition whatsoever. Yeah, we're orphans. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of orphan culture going on, and there, but there are threads to something not lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, that, yeah, I think like the primitive 
feminine skills in quotations or the um, ancestral skills of fire making, those kinds of things too. Hide tanning. I think that really lit me up because um, knowing those skills and having that in your in your hands and your body and able to do that is also very revitalizing mm. as a human. Not the sense that like, okay, I'm going to have to use this. Maybe I will in my lifetime, like have to use those skills, but just knowing that you can builds some level of like confidence and connection and you see more kinship with the natural world because you like interact with it in a way that's relational you know yeah yeah i mean the things i like about those skills too is that because they're time consuming Mm -hmm. and it does require um a learning process. I mean, it's not like you can just get the skill down and then do it. Yeah. Um, it gave me a, a, like a deeper appreciation for all the other stuff we've done since then. Mm-hmm. You know, think about how mm-hmm. you know hides are tanned now yeah. industrially. You yeah. Know, just by the thousands every day, kicking them out and yeah. thinking about what it really took to actually learn how to do that. And even just the fact, I don't know how they figured out like the brain has enough fat to like preserve the hide. Like that's just like what? Yeah. That kind of stuff blows me away. And, and also all those things too, I feel like making fire and hide tanning and hunting and foraging all involve like community aspects, mm-hmm. you know, that requires <laughs> multiple people, you know, yeah. or you're, you're generating more than you can use for yourself. So you want to have people around to share it with. Mm-hmm. I yeah, found you can't those. do it on your own. Right. You can't right. do it on your own for sure. Yeah. And there must have been our ancestors around the world forever. I don't know, going back really far, maybe not even that far had these skills and worked together in community to survive together. And um, yeah, how did they know all those things? Like what kind of levels of communication and understanding and connection did they have that we can't even fathom? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, because there's times on vision quests or whatever you want to call those wilderness fasts and stuff where I start feeling that sense of like communion or communication with the natural world where I'm like, oh, I can see how if you live this way all the time and you're just with the other beings in your environment all the time and there's nothing in the way I, I i wonder just how much communication could actually happen and understand teachings coming forward from the plants from the animals that our ancestors knew yeah you know i mean we are social beings that's one of our markers of our species as we socialize and mm-hmm. have high communication skills so mm-hmm. i do feel that too it's like we can communicate with anything yeah if we just decide is, you know, something we want to do. Yeah. Um, speaking of ancestry, what do you know about your ancestry, where you came from, your people? Not enough. I mean, um, I just basically know the ethnicities, the ethnic, whatever you, I mean, the countries really, which is not even very specific at all. I mean, I know that I'm Italian and Austrian and Belgian, but that doesn't tell me really anything because those are nation states. Those aren't actual, like beyond being a nation state, it's not like it doesn't tell you who someone is or where they really how they, came Or from. how they live on the land. Really. How they live on the yeah. land doesn't tell you who traveled where and like what kind of, you know, movement they've had over the centuries, you know, the human movement. So I, I don't really know that much. My, my last living grandparent is 96 mm. and she is Italian. And she knows a little bit about just, you know, where her parents grew up, but I don't know any stories about my ancestors that like lived land-based. Um, and I know that they did, they mm. had to have. Yeah. That's one, I just, I wish I knew that. Yeah. That would be incredible to know. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I could find out. Maybe I just haven't done enough research. I don't. Yeah, I mean, there's probably some, but there's gonna be huge gaps because a lot of those people didn't keep records. So, <clears throat> yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. A lot more conquered, you know, thousands of years ago too. So it's hard to know yeah. where the uh, the originality stops and the incorporation begins with other cultures. Right. Yeah. Right. I would I would like to know more of that. Maybe and like I also think about myself being an ancestor and like what can I learn about the land that I'm on and mm-hmm. how am I living that is would get passed down, you know, and maybe it's it the line gets or things get forgotten or they don't get passed on. But they, it gets passed on in our DNA and our in the cellular level, it's there. And so I think about like, how am I living in what ways am I going to pass down certain things if I become an ancestor mm-hmm. um, in that way? 
Yeah. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> working in Wisconsin, kind of found out about permaculture, which is a agricultural technique mm-hmm. made out to this program. Kind of got reconnected, re-exposed, reinvigorated, revitalized yeah. around nature connection. And then, you know, that was 10 years ago. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe that. I know. Yeah. Well, it's wild. That's wild. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So what have you been doing since then um, in order to maintain that identity for yourself that you are someone who's connected to nature and experience that and feel that? Like, how do you work that into the all that we have to do to just, you know, mm. pay the rent and put food on the table? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the rent in Santa Cruz, too. Um, yeah. Man, so it's just never left me since then. I mean, I've, it's looked different ways. Um, I lived in a very small town called Covalo for seven years after that, pro- after Weaving Earth ended. And I lived in a little cabin by myself on like 125 acres. And we were, it's also a Native American reservation. So it was just really remote and beautiful and easy to connect. And the nature is just there. You're just in it. And I'd have people come and be like, how, you must go camping all the time here. I'm like, I never really go camping because I just feel like I'm always, I don't need to go camping because I'm like, so deeply dropped in. I have felt like all the time to it and spent tons of time by myself hiking those hills and being at the river and um, alone and with friends. And it's just, um, I think since Weaving Earth ended, I haven't spent any time not having nature connection and me being in nature, especially alone as a priority in my life pretty much on a daily basis and don't always get that if I'm like traveling home to Detroit and I'm you know I'm saying but Mm -hmm. like in my day-to-day life it is constantly part of what I'm thinking about and what I'm wanting to feel and let's say there's a day I have to work all day at the office and I'm at home doing I like I'll just notice the plants or just sit with like a house plant or notice the birds or notice what's happening with the weather or the wind or notice the changes in like the plants on the sidewalk that I pass every single day in my car. Like it's, it just is part of mm. my life. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about, um, just my own path with that too. A lot of similar techniques there I have too. Um, I know for me, there's still like, it's still hard to cram it in sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> cause it's not my top priority. Mm-hmm. Even though I, che- I keep trying to push it up to the top priority. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And um, just wondering how that works for you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how much do you want the rest of your life to flow around your connection to nature or how much do you want nature connection to flow around the rest of your life like you know just kind of that that's a good question you know I actually it's for me it's a perspective shift too because I I for a long time thought nature connection looked a certain way like a person knew all the plants and knew the birds and would sit in a certain do a sit spot in a certain way every day and like it was very like conceptual and it had to like look a certain way to be nature connected my my perspective has changed a lot where I don't see nature as separate than myself so if I am alive and doing anything I am nature doing something I am with nature I am nature I am flowing with nature connection because I am connected to I'm alive so if I'm breathing I'm nature connected can I hone different practices and skills and go deeper with aspects of that connection yes but I'd never at this point I rarely ever feel disconnected, even if I haven't gone out on a hike in a few days, or even if I feel a little too busy and I'm not able to drop in, because there is a difference when I get to drop in for days on end without my phone, for example, that is much deeper and a different kind of connection. But I don't think I'm disconnected if I don't go for a walk Mm -hmm. or if I don't get on a hike, because I just feel it is me and I can never be disconnected. And that is our that is like the sort of the big lie of separation and illusion of separation that I'm, I felt, I feel like I'm healing in myself and I want to help others heal in themselves. And, um, so I keep it alive with my perspective uh-huh. and also, also it is a priority for me to find that time to be in nature because it, re, it, it like revitalizes that. And, yeah. 
Yeah. Always something new to learn. What do you feel like is some of the ways when you're needing to get out, actually to get out in nature? Mm -hmm. when you're, like, what are some of the ways it starts showing up with like, I, like, I need <laughs> to get in yeah, nature? Yeah. Like, okay, the connection's real. You, should, like, you could ask Tad that. He could tell you a whole <laughs> list of things. Um, he's like, you need to go on, do you need to go on a walk? <laughs> um, yeah, I get more irritable. I think I have way less patience for people. When I recognize I start hating humanity or like looking at the negative side of humans, I feel like I'm not connected to myself in a, in a good way. And to get connected with myself in a good way, it usually means being in nature for some sort of extended period of time. And um, because it's interesting for me to say, you know, we're not separate from nature, but then for me to start hating what people are doing or being really impatient with humans, which are, I am like, you're, we're all part of this. And somehow you're also very natural. You're a natural and you're, you're nature and what you're doing it's driving me nuts. But like to like withhold judgment. So when I'm okay, so to answer your question, when I find myself being very judgmental, impatient, less, less hopeful about life or the future is when I'm like, oh, like, I need to go back to the big thing, like the big picture. And just sitting by a tree can bring me back there. Like how how much have these trees seen and how much will they see that we're going to be such a blip? Mm. Like they kind of remind me like it's okay. Mm. Like, you're, you're very small and your worries are very cute and it, it's valid and you're very sweet for caring, but just also relax and like try to bring more, like bringing more love and patience and like less judgment into the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, what's the, what's, what's, what's the angel look like? five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, who's fully expressed, fully realized, fully, you know, in her practice of being, you know, I keep saying nature connection. That's good. <laughs> you that's, are connected, but. No, that's a good. You know, what does you. it look like? What do you still, what do you still feel like you need to grow or develop or, you know, what do you want to pursue deeper in that realm? Um, hmm. I want to have a practice of doing more fasting every year, doing a solo fast, even like with friends or other people who do that kind of thing. I'm getting out there more often for me because I'm helping guide things more now, but I also don't have, I want to do it for myself. Um, and if I have kids, I feel like for me, one of the things I'm most excited about is like having children or at least one to, to share this with. I think that's why I love working with the kids. It's continuing to share. Like, it's one thing to have it for myself and to hone in on what it looks like for me and get deeper and deeper into those things. But then it's another thing to be able to share it and um, share in the awe and wonder with, with kids and with other people. I think for me, what it would look like is I have my own practices that I'm committed to and that I also then have an opportunity to bridge that and share it with other and I don't, actually, that's a good question because I, I've been contemplating that so much. Mm. What do I, what, what's my five year, what's it look like in five years if I was doing the things that I'm super passionate about? I think being a therapist is something I still want to do, thank God, because I'm <laughs> second year of grad school. But it's like, I'm learning that I can't just do it sitting in an office talking about people's problems with them. I need to find a way to help heal the, like the bigger disconnect and the bigger dissonance and feelings of not belonging that I feel like so many people, everyone I talk to, I feel like has that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I think I have something that would help you. And it's the nature. It's, it's the nature. The nature. <laughs> the natch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, when people go and do things to celebrate or relax, I mean, they still, it's like they go outside. Yeah, they go on a vacation to the beach. Yeah. And they, they want to go out. And it's like, we already inherently all know, yeah. we innately all know where to go to find a bigger perspective, to find peace, to find belonging, to find somewhere that can hold all of our big problems and our suffering. And we already all know that. Um, I've actually thought of incorporating, you know, I want to get an eco-psychology certificate because that makes you more official. But that idea of like incorporating that into an intake with people for therapy, like mm. it just is part mm. of what we talk about. We don't keep it separate. Like 
maybe I'll mention it. It's like I, as a person, as a therapist, this is what I do. I talk, this is something that I bring. Um, normalize that we need nature in our lives. Normalize that if you aren't connected to nature in any sort of way, your mental health issues may be worse or maybe they'll be, you know, without nature connection or maybe um, it's partly caused by that disconnection. So, Mm -hmm. and that could be part of the healing and the well-being of somebody is reconnecting them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to step forward into the future even more now and talk about the thing that no one wants to talk about climate change yeah yeah and uh yeah so i'm just curious because i think about it a lot for myself and you know what we have right now at least coming from you know the information that's coming to us about that topic is coming from science and passionate people who are passionate about science Mm -hmm. there's lots of different cultural stories, old stories that talk about this kind of thing happening on a mythological level. Mm-hmm. So there's this kind of this like scientific aspect to it. There's this mythological prophecy part to it. And um, from all intensive purposes, we can tell we're definitely headed towards a, sh- a shift <laughs> of some kind. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, so I'm just wondering like, how does that story, how does that knowing that those facts and that science and those markers are out there influence the way that you think about the planet and, and the way that we live life, the way we do as modern humans and how it affects your personal psychology of like, what what are you going to do about it to make yourself <clears throat> feel like there's some kind of peace and harmony around, mm-hmm. you know, where it's going to go and yeah, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's a big question. I think knowing what the science says and also how that sort of aligns with the mythologies that you're talking about, I think it makes our life that we live more more precious and um, more pressing. Um, I think on just a personal level, it makes every everyone I know and love and everything I do and every moment I get to spend in nature just so precious to me and it there is that like poignant almost like a sadness melancholy of like this might not be here like this could all be so different and I don't know how many years whatever they predict that could destroy these beautiful forests or this like these water like it's all happening and it's it's heartbreaking but it also like it just um I don't know the word but it for me, illuminates and shines a light really brightly on the preciousness of it. And um, I feel like a deep gratitude for living at this time, even though it feels really, it could feel really depressing and you could get really nihilistic and hopeless at this time. But I have this sense of like, we don't actually, we might know what we think we know about what's happening. And it could very well be true that shit goes down and I don't think we actually know the bigger picture and we never can and I don't think there's any reason to the the work like the worse the news that we get the more reason to show up with with this sounds like cliche but with love with patience for one another with humility with not knowing the answers and with finding what what for me feels like our true nature as human beings. And I don't think I can fix it. I don't think I have the solution. I don't think that, I don't even know if we can fix it. And I also don't know if I want to qualify things as good and bad. We don't know what this bigger story is. We're just like a very small planet spiraling around this sun in the middle of the the end of a galaxy. It's so huge. And it's like, yes, it's devastating. Yes, it's we should work to to try to save this beautiful home that we have. And um, I just don't believe that we ultimately know what's supposed to happen. 
or that something's not supposed to happen this way, as much suffering as it might be, sometimes I'm like, I don't know. I don't actually know. And I think when the more we think we know, often the worse off we tend to get mm. as a species, as a human. Yeah, like losing our curiosity. Yeah, losing our curiosity, losing our sense of hope. Mm. Um, I think one of the main reasons, like the people in leadership that have a lot of power to make choices, I see like so much like almost hopelessness and not a belief in a future. So get everything you can now, like do everything, like get it all right now because there is no future. Mm. So shit's going down just like greed and fear and scarcity mindset. And then it's like trickles down into all of society to just like get what you can now because it's over. That feels neurotic, dangerous, more dangerous than the climate change itself to like go down with that sort of mentality. So it's like if things are going to change and maybe they won't, but I'd rather it's like I don't know, for some reason the Titanic movie just flashed through my head of like the guys playing music where everyone's mm. running around with their, you know, that's what I want to be. Mm. And like some, create something beautiful while you're here, even though it's going down. And so I think if, I really truly think if humans from the littlest person like me to the leaders that have all the, like so much power, cared about beauty and curiosity and like love, like that would change, that would make a difference. And ultimately, um, it's sort of like, how do you want to be with it? Um, and who do you want to be instead of like what to do mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. it? It's sort of where I end up a lot of the times in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it is a big topic. It's yeah. really hard to like, I'm, for myself, even just know what to do at this level of living. And when you walk out your front door, it's like, all right, I'm going to make good choices today to stop this global thing from happening. Well, I just Whatever, talked to a mom you know. the other day that was like, I don't want to buy any more oat milk because the cartons and, I, and the plastic and I'm not going to buy plastic for a month. And everyone's putting this like pressure to like, I have to fix it because mm. it's it's like, it's so much bigger than one person. It's not like, it's not like don't do that. Like, great, buy less plastic, make your own stuff as much as you can. Like I support that. And I, and I also have those tendencies to be like, where can I do like do less harm? But I'm also, it's like the train has been going for a really long mm -hmm. time. And then we just got kind of plopped on it whenever year we were born. And then we're expected to then try to undo thousands of, it's been thousands of years. You I mean, Gilgamesh was written on stone tablets, mm -hmm. clay tablets. And it was written about, you know, that pretty much the beginning of the deforestation of Europe. You know, so it's like for the Iron Age to come. <laughs> and so, I mean, like, so we think 5,000 years of this and then we're just like freaking out right, right. now. And but, so it's like, okay, well, that's just, I don't know. I don't know if the freaking out and getting down on ourselves is really gonna help anything. Yeah, I would agree with that. I personally find it hard. I tend to get down about it and you know that. Mm -hmm. it, it does overwhelm me at times. And um, so it's good to be reminded that there are other ways to embrace it, <laughs> appreciate yeah. that. Well, I think too, the complexity of like embrace, like that is what, you know, grief is really praising something that you love. So the grief of so much of the earth and our beautiful planet being in misery and dying and is because you, we love it. Mm -hmm. You love, the reason you feel grief for the earth is because you love it and you're part of it. And you know, I think everyone knows in some cellular way that if the earth, dies, we die. And so there's that existential dread, there's grief. I think that's really normal. I think there's like, you know, Martine Prechtel says too, to metabolize our grief by making beauty. Mm. So it's not to not feel it, you know, you don't want to just be sad and depressed. He's like, not, not, not having grief is just being sad and depressed. Yeah. When you are grieving, you're actively trying to metabolize by making something beautiful. And so I think I try to stick over there yeah. as much as I can. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's, you know, if, if people are uh, not really used to hearing that individual take on that big subject, because usually we're just reading headlines about it and what all the big leaders are doing and all the big numbers. Mm -hmm. um, it's possible that there are people out there who are feeling that overwhelm or, are, you know, on the verge of being sad and depressed or already are and don't know how to metabolize their grief, but don't have a connection to nature. Yeah. 
lots of fear out there, lots of just isolation and not knowing how to think or feel or act. Mm-hmm. Um, what words of encouragement or suggestions would you give to someone who is aware of all this that's going on, are a little confounded on how to become a nature-connected person, whatever that means, but mm-hmm. you know, just how does someone just begin at the beginning to start developing that relationship for themselves, with themselves, mm. with the planet? Hmm. Well, first I would just tell them to remember that they're not separate, that they're already connected. They just have to remember. Um, and to find a way to make beauty, find something that is, learn, like to learn something new, learn a skill, pick something. Is it is it plants? Is it birds? Is it trees? Is it a craft? Is it music is it food systems is it growing a garden is it um it's just something find some way to feel inspired about being alive Mm. um i think when you lose that inspiration for life because you're so inundated with so much bad news and this is well fuck it i can't do anything this is what's the point of doing anything well there is no point in doing it like there doesn't have to be a point to something for it to be valuable, to be valid. I think that's part of the disease of our minds is like, well, I can't fix it. There's no, like this, this like mechanistic way of looking at life and just the linear, the linear lens. And it can be so limiting and to just, it sounds simple, but find something that makes you happy to be alive and um, that contributes to life, that makes beauty, that, um, metabolizes those feelings that are that if you don't metabolize you can become depressed mm-hmm. and hopeless and um, I don't want, there's probably more in there like I feel like that's a really good question yeah I think you like like tomorrow what would someone do if they were going to start tomorrow greet the sun and greet the sun I would say like, even if you can't see the sun, find where East is in your apartment, wherever. Know where East is, make yourself a cup of tea or a coffee and stand there, face the sun. And before you take your first sip, stick your little fingers in there and do a little spray to the East. Just like acknowledge like, this is a new day. This wasn't guaranteed. This is a fucking miracle and I'm alive. And I might have a shit life or I might feel like shit. Sorry, is that okay? I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. But like, <laughs> but like, here I am. Yeah. Just like start small. Like whatever your routines already are, you don't have to like buy a bunch of nature gear and then find like this amazing spot to go sit. It's like you're already connected. Like you, your body wants to greet the sun. Mm-hmm. Your heart wants to greet the sun. The sun wants to greet you. Like just remember that. Nature wants to see you. And um, nature has never forgotten us. And so we've forgotten. And so we don't need to save the world. I feel like we need to save ourselves. And I know people have said that, but that comes from that like moment of connection, the moment of remembering. Um, have routines like that in your day. Do the same thing when the sun sets, mm-hmm. even, if you can't, even if you're inside. Take a moment to stop what you're doing and just acknowledge that another precious and day that will never happen again just you just live through yeah yeah i like that <laughs> even on a deeper level just acknowledging the sun coming up and the sun going down is to also remember that the this planet is spinning around you know they, there's to me that's so much of the mm. awe is just <laughs> these mechanisms of the universe that have just been happening all this time that we mm-hmm. just don't think about, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't think about sitting here in the quietness of this fort that this forest that we're actually spinning around in a circle at about the speed of sound. Yeah. It's so wild. Yeah. 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 And that's been happening every day for billions of years. Yeah. You know, and you think of just about the history of mankind and all the, you know, we count the years and the mm-hmm. years are based on months, which are increments of, 
times that the earth has spun around a circle mm -hmm. continuously without stopping mm -hmm. you know it's to the to the point where you can set a clock you can set a mechanical clock to it that's exactly. how how consistent it is like why is this even happening yeah what and we so the thing is like the big like those bigger and bigger views is like why is like who even knows but like that is happening and it's so cool mm -hmm. and like we were part of it you get to be part of it and i think there's this like some of the depression and sadness is like kind of selfish because it's forgetting that you get to be even part of it. Like you get to be sad about it if you want to, but like you also have to be grateful that you're part of it. You also have to know that it's precious and remember that like what you just said, like the, the awesomeness of it is something you're part of, whether or not it, whatever, however the story unfolds, you get to be part of the story right now. Mm -hmm. And so many people daily just don't. Yeah, just sit in traffic, hate in life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forgetting, you know. Forgetting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's really important for sure. Awesome. Well, is there any um, last things you want to share? Anything that came up while we're talking? Just mm. little anecdotes or words of wisdom to pass on? Ideas? It's mm. probably a lot. I feel really grateful to, to talk about these themes with you kind of helps me like think about how I feel and what I think and I know it's always changing so I'm sure I left a lot out or said too much of something <laughs> but I think um yeah listen to some Alan Watts there you go. Read some Annie Dillard. And, um, yeah. Be, be grateful that you're alive mm. at all. You, we met just after you finished up working with some little kids. Mm hmm Five, four through eight-year-old today. Yeah. Four-year-old. Yeah. yeah. Any, uh, what was, what was the, uh, the high point for you? Oh. Oh, yeah. So, one of the, he's six. Um, there's particularly poignant meadow moment where there was poppies and lupin and it was just so beautiful and it was like the sunlight coming down and it was like this dappled light and the breeze and I was sitting there we were all doing a little spot by ourselves and I was sitting there and I was thinking wow this is just like so beautiful and perfect and magical and like these these flowers here like maybe no one will ever know so it easily could have been that no one ever sat down near them or saw them or noticed them they're just blooming and being beautiful because that's what they do whether or not anyone is passes along to acknowledge it and i was like wow like that felt like poignant and then i was sitting there thinking that and just feeling so grateful for them and this little kid came up and sat on my lap and he's like angela do you ever just get this warm and magical feeling sitting in a field of lupins and puppies. He's like, I don't know what it is. I can't even, and he's like, I don't know what, I don't know what it is. It just feels like right here. He like touched his chest. Like, I just feel warm and magical. And I was like, yes, I know, I know what you mean. And so I was just like, it gave me a lot of hope and it was beautiful. And so. It was a six year old, right? It was a six year old. Yeah, profound. That was profound. And I was like, there you go. That's this. It's right there. Right there. It's right there. We all have it. We just need to go there to remember, remember, and put, place ourselves in the magic. Yeah. Well, I look forward to future clients of yours having that same moment that that little boy does. Mm, yeah. Me too. I think we all have that. You know, there's some point. I, just, just for this, the the sake of being youth and the open mind. Mm -hmm. and the complete, you know, um, availability yeah. to experience. We all have some little moment like that where, yeah. whether we're super conscious of it or not, but it got in. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like the power of, you yeah. know, what you're talking about with the kind of work you want to do and how you want to do it is to just get them back to re-embodying that moment, mm. recalling it and reopening that channel. Yes. You know. Yeah, because the channel is there. It's just been blocked by like becoming an adult and trying to survive in this world. Yeah. But it's there. Yeah. 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 So it's hopeful. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, Angela. Okay. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for uh, yeah. hanging out with me in the woods and My talking pleasure. about nature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anytime. Yeah, appreciate it. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that's it for us. Um, we're going to, I'm going to put a jacket on because it's <laughs> chilly out here. And uh, we're going to hike out of here and finish our days. But thanks for tuning in and um, we'll see you next time. All right, folks, there you have it. Uh, a really lovely conversation with my dear friend, Angela Vincent. And I just want to thank you, Angela, for uh, coming on board and, and sitting down and talking with me. And uh, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. It's great that we're, uh, we're neighbors, pretty much. So for the rest of y'all out there, uh, don't forget, um, yeah, check out risingman.org. It's time. If you've been waiting for an opportunity or a signal or a sign, I'm telling you, this is the sign. Go check out those programs. Just jump into a fire circle. That's sort of our entry-level opportunity uh, where you can just get online with a group of men who are facilitating each other, asking good questions, supporting each other through challenges of life, discovering uh, what our skills and gifts are in the world and how to navigate our relationships. It's a beautiful support system for men. And that just opens the door to all the other wonderful programs that uh, are up there to offer. So check it out. Thanks again to our production power team, as usual, Mark and Julian. You guys kill it every time. I'm so grateful you guys are behind the controls, uh, putting this all together, making it sound great, making it look great. And don't forget that you can help get this information, things like First Nature and uh, the Rising Man podcast and Fam Life and Monday Morning Meditations. Those things get out to other men because you hit the like button, because you subscribe, because you download episodes. You know, that kicks in the algorithms, the, the magic of the web that bumps our numbers and, and puts us in the stream of other men who are looking for this stuff. So if you're getting something from this, from the Rising Man community, um, please help us. Help us help you help them. Let's help each other as men. So uh, do hit the boards with that kind of stuff. And we appreciate your contribution and your efforts uh, to get the word out too. So that's it for this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. I am Sean Barry. This is First Nature. Find out who you are inside by getting outside. See you next time.